Hello, this is Student with the Blog, and welcome to my first episode. Um, this is going to be the episode on Chapter 1, The Introduction. Um, a little overview about Chapter 1, or what I will be talking about, is going to be qualitative methods, qualitative data, triangulation and research, the symbolic interactionist perspective, and why qualitative research is a prominent area in the social services. So the first thing we want to do is we want to find out what the difference between qualitative research and quantitative research. So the first thing we want to do is we want to associate um, qualitative research with the what the how, when, where, and the why. I don't mean to be biased, but I find qualitative research to be a little bit more entertaining in the sense that I hate numbers. (laughs) But um, no, besides me hating uh, math, I feel like qualitative research is a little bit more interesting. Um, You know, you get to know people um very close level and um that i don't feel like that's not something that you get to do when uh you are doing quantitative research since quantitative research is based a little bit more on um measurements numbers um percentages and you don't get to know or encounter um different types of people we see a example used um, in chapter one by Jackson, who is a researcher. He was doing research in elementary schools, and one of the things that he mentioned was the odors in elementary schools. And something that was mentioned is that. Um, when sometimes when we smell stuff or we hear a song or we see something that reminds us of something like a memory um, we usually want to base these things on um, the quality right and not the quantity my question is how would you be able to quantify that I mean quantify how many farts a student takes (laughs) in an hour um but no um like sometimes i smell a new eraser and it just brings me back to like elementary school um right and that's something that evokes you know a memory of mine And it's not something, right, I'm not, like, counting an eraser and I'm like, oh, this reminds me of elementary school, right? So it's, it's, I guess it's more based on, you know, like, quality of what we're trying to, um, I feel like a lot of people tend to think that qualitative research is a bit easier than quantitative and... I mean, a perfect example is when I had first, or when we had first met up 
in class for um, our first time. A lot of us said that we chose qualitative because it seemed easier and or because we hated math. Um, But the reality is because of this thinking or reasoning, we need to be more precise and careful with the procedures that we do. Um, We actually need to go through different methods um, in order to get a precise data. So going back to um, something that I had asked was um, how are we able to quantify, you know, qualitative data? Um, Although it is difficult, we are able to quantify qualitative data. Um, and a perfect, uh, example of this would be with, uh, like social norms, right? Um, social norms being things that we do, um, in our life, right? So, like, let's say, for example, um, I guess things that are known, and these are not, like, laws, that we have or like the rules that we have but it's more like things that are known by everybody so like for example um in class um when the professor is speaking everybody is quiet we're not speaking over the professor right which is a norm it's a given it's not like i mean it's not like a rule right like don't speak over the professor but it's something that we all know not to do um and although it might be a little bit difficult to study these things or to um quantify these things it is possible i guess it's more of like a visual aspect um and it's something that we see um day to day right there's other things that we like um in my anthropology class, our professor was asking us about social norms, right? And one of the things that I wanted to bring up was like, um, or he asked us for an example. And the example I wanted to use was farting in public. I mean, you can fart in public. There's no rule in that. You might think I'm crazy because I keep bringing up farts. <laughs> but it's just something that's coming up to my mind but um anyways you don't fart in public i mean you can fart in public it's there's no law or rule saying like you can't fart in public but it's like a norm right it's like you don't want to be disrespectful or or you don't want to be frowned upon for farting in public this is a, a social norm right it's it's not a law it's just something that's known by everybody so i'm gonna give another example um in the reading, there was something brought up about um, driving and the joke, the ongoing joke that women cannot drive. Um, and so this joke came about when um, cars was mostly something used by men, um, hence why 
when women would get to drive i mean they wouldn't know how since the men were the ones who would um drive the cars and so and so ever since um families started to earn better income the partners um so like the two um households uh, the two head of households um were holding two jobs and were actually having two cars and you know multiple of things um the jokes became um less popular i mean i still hear this kind of stuff but obviously like it's kind of more known now that you know women drive cars and are actually pretty safe drivers and not being biased (laughs) um but with this i mean we were using um qualitative mess like methods to to understand the joke and we use quantitative measures to um see that this is actually false and or it's not something that's happening now since it is a little uh, more common now for um both head of households to own a car and have a license this then like reveals that um the social norm back then is not something that we see anymore um there was a study done by Harold Garfinkel and this kind of proved um, how or kind of showed how social norms work and so in order to prove that these social norms are in place is to violate them and see what the results are and so I'm going to bring up the farts again but um so farting in public right and seeing how people react right and their reaction is a result of the social norm so you farting and somebody going who who farted or why does it stink like that and you getting embarrassed is the result of the social norm So, in order to validate um, or test um, the data, there is something called triangulation, which is basically um, you using multiple methods. Um, to develop like an understanding um when using different methods you are basically i mean it's in the name right you are trying to come to a point where um i mean all your data is aligning and you get this triangle and you get the center and is like the result right and so using different methods and then getting the same result from all of them validates what you're looking for, or validates your data um and so with this um 
when using it, we're not trying to combine our data. We're trying to find the point to where they all kind of, what's the word? I guess relate to each other. And so it's important to use the triangulation method because it helps kind of get rid of um, the data that isn't important or the data that doesn't support what you're looking for. And so the goal is to not generalize a large population. Um, and this is why we're careful with the data that we collect and this is why we use these methods. And this is why I find qualitative research to be interesting because we are not looking for a generalization of a group, but we are looking for the uniqueness of said groups. And this kind of comes from a symbolic interactionist perspective, which is basically um, a concept that how people interact with society through their perception. Um, so in other words, um, symbolic interactionism is a theory and it was a theory founded by a theorist named Herbert Blummer and he considers people's actions to be based on their thoughts and their actions and so like the way that they interact or process in a social aspect is based on like um their realities that they uh produced so there could be this uh false reality that somebody may create in their in their own little in their head and i mean nobody can tell you it's false I mean, they can prove it, but to you, it's something that you find to be um, correct, right? And so, there was this one instance where um, in uh, the University of Chicago, there was this psychology professor who had taught there for a while. I believe it was like 30 years. And, um, I mean, he was highly respected and... It ended up being that um, he had faked his credentials and he was actually not a psychologist. And so, I mean, does this like, my question is, his findings, are they valid still? Or are they like just not important at this point since he doesn't have the right credentials for it? Um, so I understand that we can all attach a different meaning to an object, right? And it all depends on our view. And so um, that's why there is like 